It's time to light up a cigar and talk about business and cars. Are you ready to get the insider edge and pick up a few ideas that you can incorporate into your business today? Your host, Brandon Green, has 25 plus years in the automotive industry with 10 plus years owning his own business. Together with a diverse lineup of guests from all industries, he's asking the right questions to get you the answers you seek. So, yeah, dude, like, it's so funny because I built two seven-figure companies and never even heard of a core value. Uh, it was always like herding cats. Mm-hmm. It, and now, core value's up on the wall, everybody knows them, and life's so much easier. Because if you need to fire somebody, or if you need to discipline somebody, you can just ask them, hey, you know this core value right here? Which part of that were you sticking to when you had that conversation? You know, well, did we do this or did we not? You exactly. Then you know, how, how are we going to fix it? You know, I mean. But it's black and white. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be an asshole thing. No, no, not at all. It just is, hey, we have these values we live by. This is how we run this business. This is how we do everything here. And we didn't do that on this particular problem. So what do we need to do to fix this? You know, it's just a simple conversation. It's not always an easy conversation, but it's simple. It, it is simple. And it's always an easier conversation than you would have had without the core value to back you up and to lean against. Yeah. No, it's not an easy conversation, but it is easier than it would be without. Before I knew about core values and all this stuff, I would get all sorts of pissed off. You know, it'd be like, God damn it. Why are we, why are you fucking doing that? Come on. <laughs> we know better. What the hell? And every once in a while that guy comes out, but I try to do a lot better not making that happen anymore. It's like, you know, there's labor laws now. You, you're not allowed to beat your employees anymore. I, well, I, yeah. If you don't have an HR <laughs> department, there's not an HR to deal with. We got an HR dog. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking great. They're adding. So I hired a girl and she has a service dog. And fuck man, He's got a bed in my office now. <laughs> it's great, dude. It's, it's like, it's like being a grandparent. Cause like I cannot deal with a dog. I just can't be picking up shit and taking him for walks and throwing. I just, I can't fuck with it. <laughs> it just, my, my, my time blocks and my days and my calendar, I mean, yeah, this week I've got some flexibility. But generally, I'm booked up from anywhere from, I mean, I start my mornings, <clears throat> excuse me, I start my mornings about 4.45. And most days I've got shit going on till 9 o'clock-ish. Now, I take a three-hour break every afternoon so I can get time with my boys. Right. But that's non-negotiable. So I stop work from 3 to 6 every day. If you take a break, we're, we're going to, we're going to circle right back to that in just a second, but please keep going. So I work generally till nine o'clock most nights. Yeah. And then I'm home. I got to fix food. I got to do all my evening shit. And then I got to be in bed by 1030. Otherwise I'm wrecked. You know, you, yeah. you can't but stay if up. If you're till, up and going by 445, you got to right. be in bed at a decent time. But for I'm, sure. up at, I'm up at 445. I'm going by about 510. <laughs> right on. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's like, um, where do I, where do I put a dog? 
well, now I've got this dog. I get to see him every day. I can pet him. I can take him down the street if I want. I can, it's, it's great. And I give him back. I don't, you know, yeah. so <laughs> um, we, yeah, we got a little, we got a little office dog, man. I, I love it. My oldest turns 18 tomorrow and I swear to God, I do not want to be a grandparent yet, but I get what you're saying. <laughs> I do the same thing with, uh, or actually we get the same thing with our, uh, kids grandparents as well they're like yeah look they had chocolate they had ice cream they had everything and here you go yeah yeah yeah. oh pancakes too great thanks mimi (laughs) exactly dude if when that happens i just take them to the park and i'm like right go (laughs) (laughs) go run where where their shit off yeah yeah that i i'm blessed dude i got i got two of the best little boys you could ever want man um what did you want to circle back to talking about the boys you said you had um Three hours blocked off every afternoon. Yeah, for yeah. your kids, yeah. for your boys. Yeah, which I've met your boys, or William, at least one of them, William. My, my yeah. oldest. Yeah, yeah. He is he is fabulous. Which, by the way, you're one of the most badass. You're one of the fathers I look up to, and the way you I take care you. of that and take care of them, even. I, I don't want to put too much out there, but well, no, no, knowing you're divorced and yeah, things like that, like, but you you specifically take time. To make sure that they're taken care of and do everything you can. I, I leave my house at 6.30 every morning. I drive over to their mom's. Um, I'm there by about 6.50. It's about a 20-minute drive. Right. I uh, drive over to their mom's. I get them ready for school. I make their sandwiches for their lunches, uh, whatever. And then I'm out the door by 7.15. Um, William goes to a different school, so his mom takes him. Um, but I take Charlie to school. I park every morning and walk him in. I don't go through the drop-off line. Every morning, I give him a, a fist bump like that. He gives me a fist bump back, and I go tell him go uh, lead with excellence, or go crush the day, or whatever whatever the phrase of the the, the phrase du jour happens to be yeah. that particular morning. And it's it's just wonderful. Like I tell the crossing guard good morning every day, and we chat. And I I started to recognize the other mums and dads, and we all say good morning, and then they're all smiling, and I'm smiling because they're expecting their smile. You know, it's it's fucking great, dude. And then I'm at the office by seven forty five. And then William's in a special school uh, that specializes in STEM uh, for advanced kids. Like, okay. He's like fucking Rain Man smart. Um, he's, he's smarter than me. Like, there's some of his own work that I look at and I'm like, yeah, you're going to have to get Google, mate. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, he's, so yep. the school pushes him. They're, they're like two and a half to three grades ahead of regular school. That is and amazing. That his, is awesome. His little brother tested in, but they didn't have a space for him. Right. So we just kind of <laughs> kind of get him over there as well. But that four hours a day, four days a week. So I pick him up from school at uh, at twelve thirty every day, and he's with me the rest of the afternoon till his till his mom's home from work. And so he does stuff for me around the business. I, I give him stuff that, let's be honest, you know, he's ten. He thinks it's important. Mm-hmm. But it's not, but it's training him. So I give him little projects to do in Photoshop for us. So he's yeah. learning Photoshop. I give him little projects to do with uh, with phone sites. So he's learning landing pages. But to him, it's more little. little he's probably better stuff. at that than I am because I'm. I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing with <laughs> that. But, but that's yeah. awesome. So he's with me, and then I stop work at between three and ten past, depending on what I'm doing and where I'm going to end up in the pickup line. And I go pick up Charlie, and then that's it. I'm done. I'm done till their mom's off work and their mom's home. And she's generally home, you know, 5.30, 5.45, and I take them, I drop them back off, and I've had my quality time with my kids, and I'm either back at the office then, or I'll go to my house, or I'll do some networking. Right. So, like, whenever I smoke a cigar, 
I very, very, very rarely smoke a cigar by myself. There's always one or two or three other people there that yeah. have business connections that, that we're, we're, we're actively networking. Um, you know, Monday nights I record podcasts. Um, then um, Tuesday nights I generally take meetings because, you know, I sell real estate, dude. So when do people want to meet you? Trying to fit everything later in, in the evening yeah, after trying to fit everything in from eight to five is a pain in the dick. But wow, I've got this magic three hours. Yeah, you want to meet over at you 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 want to meet over at the bar and hang out, have a drink. We'll talk about real estate. Yep, absolutely. I don't tell them I don't drink. I want them to be comfortable. Exactly. You know, and it fits with their schedule. They're not worried about getting off work. They can get home, get a little bit of dinner, and fucking meet me at seven o'clock. And I take six and seven and eight o'clock meetings for real estate all the time because. Like the clients can't meet me during the day. Yeah. So, they're working, you know? <laughs> so it just, I was, and, and what would happen was I'd work and 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 never see my kids. And I'm just like, this is not any fun. Um, I want to be a more engaged dad. I want to be a more active dad. And that might mean sitting and doing that homework with them, or it might mean playing video games with them, or it might mean just going to the park and reading a book while they run around and do stuff. I mean, just, just whatever. But yep. just to be there every single day in their lives is, is something I've made a, a non-negotiable priority. You can fucking not live with, 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 with the mother of your kids and still be a fucking example as a dad. Like, you don't... Just because you, just because you leave your wife doesn't mean you leave your family. You Absolutely. Leave your kids. You don't leave them in the lurch. Don't ever fuck them for money. Don't fight them over child support. Like, fucking be a dad, man. Uh, any, any fucking fool with a dick can make a baby. Yeah. It takes a real man to be a father to his children. I agree with that 100%. That is from, uh, that is from Boys in the Hood. Yes. That was Lawrence Fishburne talking to Cuba Gooding Jr. Yes, I remember that. <laughs> and I agree with that statement yeah. 100%. Yeah, so... Uh, no, I love the way you've made that specific time block in, you know, to make sure you spend time with your boys and, you know, do what make, you do. They get to make videos with me. They get to be on, fuck, I put them on Facebook lives. I'm like, Hey, Oh you, yeah. I've you, watched them. You, I've you, seen them. You're yeah. doing the virtual tour today. Go. And my kid will be like, Hey, uh, it's William. I, I really like the bedroom. And he'll tell the fucking truth too. He'll be like, oh, these cabinets are really nasty. I don't like those. They should probably paint those. I'm like, shh, you can't fucking say that. This is somebody's house. <laughs> Dude, oh, great. that's awesome. Like, he just totally, shit, he gets more views than I do. And you know what he, he, what he wants to do, you know, when they're young, you put them in sports, you let them try everything. My boy loves to read. Yeah. He loves to read and read and read and read and read and read. And he loves the creative aspect of video games. Like, and he wants to, you know, figure out how to create games. But what he really wants to do more than anything is start his own podcast and his own YouTube channel. Which is so awesome because so, what does dad do? Yeah, so like some afternoons, um, some afternoons, like if I've got some kind of emergency and I've got to rush out or something, like in that one to three o'clock hour, I will leave him at my computer and I'll have one of the guys check on him and he, he knows how to launch the programs and he sits there and records videos of him playing video games and talking about the video game, just like he's seeing the kids on YouTube doing. And, um, man, this is fucking killing me, man. It's killing me because he's so desperate for a gaming computer, right? Mm -hmm. But he's 10, right? And I could go buy a gaming computer right, right. now, but I want him to like, 
well, Christmas is coming also this year, but right. I want the work and the reward. Right. right. I want him to work for it. I want him to know that, you know, a thousand dollar computer doesn't just drop out the sky. Somebody had to work for that. Yep. And that's going to be you. And, <laughs> yep. <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, shit, it's like report card money. I pay him for his report cards. I pay him to write book reports. Um, that was really cool. He he wrote one for, for Drewby's book. And I sent it to Drewby and Drewby recorded a little video for it. And then he wrote one for one of Ryan's books. So I shot Ryan a, a message and shot him a picture and a picture of the book report. And Ryan shot him a video back. So William's over the moon because, like, to oh, him. Oh, that's awesome. Well, to him, Drewby and Ryan are just, like, these untouchable, famous people. And how does Dad <laughs> know How does Dad know somebody that wrote a book? Like, this is too cool. And, like, you know, to um, Dante Smiley um, at the Apex event, he, he yeah. had his – he he signed a copy of the book for William and he got him on stage to get yeah, it to bro- I love dude, that. He dude. brought him up yeah. and like handed him the book personally and everything. That was I was sitting over there like that is so freaking awesome. Dude, I, he, I love Dante. That dude, dude is so freaking genuine and awesome. Right, you know I love why? that man. Because he fucking smiles at everyone and he radiates. He just radiates on that frequency and he goes about making sure everybody has a better day. Apparently I just got an no, you just got an email, mate. Yeah, apparently I just got an email. So if that came through, my apologies. <laughs> well, <laughs> Maybe I should turn yeah. off my email on no, my laptop. It share, yeah, it, fuck share it. it with the class. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, man, fuck. The kid wants to be like his dad. That's so and awesome. I've got to nurture that. So um, he got a good set of report cards come out. So he's probably got now about $600 saved up. He'll get some Christmas money too, um, you know, but I think we're, we're about at the point where we can start looking at building him a rig and then start looking at, right, what equipment, auxiliary stuff, you know, he's going to want a microphone, a headset, that kind of stuff. Right. And no, I mean. You want him to earn it and learn learn what it's about so they know yeah. how to how to do, but which is I, I great parenting. I mean, yeah. Dude, I don't believe in school. I don't like it. And and this whole COVID nonsense just turned me off of public education altogether. I just don't, I don't like it. I don't like a lot of the things that they teach our kids. And um, William doesn't like school either because he's a lot like I was. <laughs> well, yeah. academically, like his school now pushes the shit out of him. Yeah. But he's only been going there for, you know, he started this fall. So this is his first semester there. Um, but... Charlie as well. Academically, they weren't being challenged, so mm-hmm. they just fucking didn't do anything. They just hated. They just they they got like didn't turn their homework in. They're bored in class. They're fidgeting. Well, have you given him any work that's actually challenging? Well, no. They were trying to do this whole no child left behind thing, which is fine in its intent. But what means what no child left behind means is that no child can freely advance at their own pace. Yeah. So you're handicapping my child so this other child can keep up. Like, take the fucking brakes off. Let him go. Yeah, let so, him do what he's yeah. doing. And, and obviously help the other children. There's nothing wrong with helping Dude, like, them got, do what they're doing. You've got fish and you've got monkeys. Yeah. Like, some kids are fish and they need to be swimming and some kids are monkeys and they need to be in the trees. Yeah. You can't make all the fish go in the tree. doesn't yeah. work like that. And so with my boy, I've told him he can quit school told him as soon as you and I build your company together and as soon as you do over $100,000 in revenue, me and your mom have agreed that you can drop out of school. 
Well, now he's fucking lit, isn't he? Oh, yeah, he is. Well, no, I, I think he can come out of school by the time he's about 12. Um, I, th- I think 18 months will get him to get him to that point. Um, I ain't gonna lie. I've never heard that before. I've never heard that perception. And if it ain't, ain't quite frankly, um, just so it's said, I think it's awesome. So somebody doesn't like dude, it. I'm no, sure, I'm sure we may hear about no it later, rules, but who cares? Man. Dude, we can do whatever we want. We're the grown ups. Yeah. That's my kid. But I honestly, I'm going to raise him the best way I know how. If you can raise him to be, you know, an awesome contributor society and be doing an awesome business by 12, who knows where he's going to be by 15, 18, 20, That's 25, 30, point. 40. That's the point, man. Yeah. Like, let it, let fuck, him run. Fuck school. And school. Give him, give him an education. I will say school is for some people. Oh, they they just work better in that environment. It yeah. you know it makes things clear for them, and but they can like, they can thrive in that environment. But some of them can't. Education should never ever ever stop. I agree. I just spent two days educating myself. Yep. Right. I constantly read. I'm constantly learning. I'm constantly attending seminars taking notes, learning, absorbing information, getting better at the things that I consider myself weak at, constantly educating myself. But school, ah, can't get behind that. Education, absolutely, 1,000%. Because it's the only thing. I'd agree with that, absolutely. It's the only thing in the world, barring some tragic fucking brain injury, education is the only thing in the world that will never leave. It's the ultimate investment. Like invest in your education and you could lose everything, but you would still retain that knowledge. So you would never start from scratch. You which always is, start from experience. Which is wh- which is why all the you know, millionaires, billionaires, all these people, they're like, Well, you can I can lose it all tomorrow. I can go do whatever, it doesn't matter, it can all go away and you know what's gonna happen? I have all this knowledge. I have all the experience. I have all this, and I'm going to the the phrase go do it again, dude. The phrase (laughs) "business is business" is is true in so many so many ways. Like your skill sets, your skill sets make up about ten percent of what it takes to run a business. The other ninety percent is completely the same. It doesn't matter if you're an attorney. Uh, you know, or if you're a plumber, or if you're whatever fucking business you're in, right? You've got to find the leads. You've got to be able to generate leads. You've got to be able to generate sales. You've got to have social proof and validation. You've got to know how to collect reviews. Um, you've got to understand how to hire people, how to onboard them, how to train them. You've got to understand marketing, sales, operations, fucking... <laughs> Like fulfillment, you've got to understand fulfillment and how to deliver your product. You've got to understand follow-up, right? You've got to understand asking for reviews and all that other stuff. And the whole fucking time, like you could be the best attorney in the world and not know shit about the other 90% that's running the business. So conversely, if I found myself in a foreign city with no money and no passport and right, you got to get to work, like I could go and recreate a business from scratch, it wouldn't matter what the fuck I chose. Wouldn't matter if I chose window washing or roofing or plumbing or whatever. I could do anything because that 90% is, you know, 
where do I get my leads? How do I close my leads? How do I turn my leads into clients? Like nobody fucking knows. They just start a business, stick a sign up on the door and go, why is nobody coming in? <laughs> what the fuck did you think was going to happen, man? You yeah, know? you got to like, figure it out. So it, the problem is, right, again, the entrepreneur cycle, the 25-year-old kid full of testosterone running around, starting a business, hasn't been in it long enough to learn all of the 90% that is outside of his 10% special skill set. Yeah. And that's what that's what. And that's the like. problem I've had. And like the post I made today, um, you know, uh, about, hey, I started this business. And I've talked, touched on this. And I think Thomas touched on this of, you know, I know how to fucking work on a car. Right. right. I know how to do exactly what I'm doing there. Dude, you're great at it. I've seen around here, man. But I have no fucking, well, I'm learning now or getting a whole lot better. But I had no fucking clue about all this, you know. And even over the past year and a half with Apex or different things and meeting you and meeting different people in different industries and different places and learning all this stuff that I'm like, holy shit, there's this whole new fucking yeah, a whole new world out here. It's you know, great, what do I do with it's it? Great. Like you say, drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. I'm at the point now where I, I struggle to know which opportunity to chase. <laughs> you yeah. know, like we did a whole, we did a whole uh, session today on Google, my business. And, um, you know, I, I knew a lot of what they were teaching. Um, but I set up my Google, my business profile and I just kind of left it. Um, I don't update it very regularly. We've got some great reviews, right? Um, we've got a lot of pictures. We outrank pretty much everybody. And I get, I would guess, six or eight organic leads a week from Google search for my Google My Business profile. I could increase that a lot right? by consistently posting and by consistently asking for reviews and by consistently uploading pictures to the image gallery. But I've got like 300 pictures uploaded, right? but they're like, yeah, you got to put up two a week, two posts a week, two pictures a week, stay consistent. And that eight, leads will probably turn into 16 but my problem is you know i got a media company i got a real estate company i'm i'm, I'm good i don't really need any more leads you know, i got enough clients and <laughs> yeah. it's like so i made the choice i had to make a decision do you want to keep just doing this and being good or do you want to be great so um <laughs> i've hired uh hired another apex guy uh will will hider he's gonna come in awesome yeah. He's going to come in in January. He's going to do a quick scrape of all my assets, figure out where we're at with everything. I've got four years worth of content, and he's just going to go through and check check links are working, check we've got the uh, check we've got the right um, fuck. I forgot the name for it now. It's where you're uploaded into all the directories and shit. It gives you the, uh, the oh, social okay. valid, it gives you that validation of your business and stuff. Um, but he's going to check all of that, and then um, dude, I mean, I've got traffic funnels that that work really well. I just never turn them on. I don't think I've run a fucking ad campaign in a year. Yeah. Like I market every day. I'm online every day. I'm putting out messages every day. I'm talking and podcasting and shit, but actually run a paid ad campaign. I haven't bothered. Well, why not? Well, cause I'm comfortable. I'm good. Like it's all right. I'm comfortable. Right. There, there's a key word right oh, yeah. there. Being comfortable. You know, I never set up a vision board. I never said I want a Lamborghini. I'm going to go get one. I can, I can pull up. I, I mean, Dude, I'd shit. like, I'd like a Lamborghini, sure, but yeah, you know, the shine's gonna wear off after a few months, and I'm like, well, it's just a car. 
you know, I, I know this because you know, I've I've <laughs> I've wanted big big things in the past. I've never bought a Lamborghini, but I've bought some very very expensive shit in the past. Right, and then all of a sudden that dopamine rush wears off, and six weeks later, like, well, it's it's just a fucking house, you know, it's like, or it's just a fucking car, or right, and you know, like your friends are like, uh, you know, like I got like a, but it's a badass car. Yeah, I got. The last or it's a badass house, you know, whatever. Yeah, but but, but, but so I get it's it. Just a house, and that that wears off. So I'm like, I have everything I want, which is like, I I don't have a lot, but I don't want a lot. Like the more shit I have, the more stuff I have to dust and clean around, and and you know. <laughs> so I live a I live a really simple life. I, I, I ain't gonna lie. I I think you and well, you met my wife earlier. Mm. Um, you and her, I think, have a, a very much a similar mindset when it comes to that. Because for me, I'm like, not that I'm, well, no, that's bullshit. I I, I, I want to do a Lamborghini McLaren. I want the Ducati. You know, I oh, want to yeah. build the shops up. And I want to do this stuff. Dude. Not because I want to flaunt it to anybody or anything like that. That's not the point in it. It's because I want to know that I can achieve that. And then when I can achieve it, now I understand when I think about it that way, I, I understand that that's why these other guys have it and they show it yeah. off. It's, it has nothing to do with the who, look what I have or all this bullshit. I think, you know, once you get to a point where you understand that that's not why they're doing it, they're that's not why they're showing you getting on their fucking jet or whatever the fucking right, they're, right. no they're showing that you that it's fucking possible and oh, it yeah, doesn't matter yeah. where you're at what business you're in what you're doing it it's possible to make yeah. those things happen and when i get a ferrari mate you know we're I'll, going for a ride absolutely <laughs> I'll, I'll bring it to dallas but you know the only thing i i'm really dying to do with a ferrari or a Lamborghini for that matter, is to find a tunnel, wind the windows down, and just ring it out in the tunnel. Listen oh, to the exhaust. Wow. Yes. We got one. I, yeah. I I guarantee there's going to be some uh, some of our St. Louis Need for Speed guys listening, which, hey, uh, shameless <laughs> plug. We sponsor that club, and there's some awesome guys, but they got a tunnel they actually do here in St. Yes. Louis. They'll yes. all go down in there and yes. run down through there, and yes. it is awesome. Dude, I got, so. a, um, I got a 2003 Mustang Cobra. Um, oh sweet! Yeah, it sits it sits at the house. It needs a little bit of work on it. Poor poor girl, um, you know, I, I left it sitting a little bit too long. It um, happens, definitely. Uh, yeah, I got to go through the fuel system and, and fix up a couple of things. We can talk cars all fucking night. Oh yeah, we can sit here and talk cars. You know what? This is business, cars and cigars. Let's we're sitting cars, here having dude. a we're sitting here having a cigar. We've gone through some business, throwing in a little politics. Yeah, probably pissed a person or two off. So Good, somebody, fuck but, them. yeah. <laughs> so. Just take take a number, stand in line, dude. I mean, yeah, hey, we're just here to have a good time, and you know, we we ain't gonna appease everybody's politics, but we got dude. something that will help everybody. So, so it, it's all fucking cool, as far as I'm concerned. So I was I was a professional drummer coming up, which and, by the way, everybody, he is a badass drummer, and I'm jealous. <laughs> Thanks, dude. <laughs> um, you know, I was um, part of me was born that way. Um, it, it, it's quite, um, it's quite humbling to admit that if I had fucking practiced, I could have been among the best in the world. But I didn't fucking practice. Drumming came to me like falling off a fucking log. Um, I don't know how I do it. 
I don't know how it works, dude. I've just been playing for so long. Um, I can I can and read music, but I don't like to. Next time you come up here, I'll my I'll have my drum set set up, and like you can if I stop teach me think, like about a million things, and I'll forget ninety nine. If I stop, if I stop to think about what I'm doing, like I go, I just go in the fucking zone, and I'm I'm gone. Like I'm just in a flow state. Like I don't even notice the time pass. Um, and I, I stopped playing for many years and I picked it up again a couple of years ago. Um, I was just hanging out and somebody was like, Hey, can you play drums? I have a question for you on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Cause I've, I've been in and out of it since high school, you know, and stuff like that. And hundred percent honesty here and transparency or whatever for listeners or for you or for whatever. I was never very spectacular at it. I just kind of liked getting out there and beating on shit well, yeah. to be a hundred percent honest. Half the fun, right? <laughs> yeah. So getting away from it for a time, I feel like me now at 43, you know, I might, it might actually click in my head a little bit better. So when you came back to it, did that help or anything or, or did it, or did it just, was it something that you just picked up like riding a bicycle was just right back there? Oh yeah. Never left. Okay. Never left. Um, you know, if I wanted to be spectacular at drumming, all I would have to do was commit and focus for probably six to nine months on the core fundamentals. Like, shit, maybe even less time than that. But I, I don't want to oversell myself. Um, but I played for so many bands growing up as a kid. Like, I played my first show in a bar when I was 12. Um, I had a regular regular spot in a band by the time i turned 15 and they that's were all, badass man yeah when, when i came to america like i was 19 and the next closest in age in the band was 28 like i was i, I was very very good as a kid um and it, it never really went away um you just it's like muscle memory i don't know how i play the drums dude i just fucking hear it and it comes out that's a, that's badass. <laughs> I, I love that. And I've never actually, I've seen some videos and stuff. Um, I think it was maybe your first or second um, uh, Apex uh, executives thing. Oh, and everybody saw, went out. That? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. trust me. I, I seen quite a few videos of all that. They, they thought they were going to fuck me up and be like, you know. I heard you ju w jumped up there and played the piano as well, a little bit. Oh, I did. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my first job in, in music, my first W-2, like, clock in, clock out job was uh, playing piano in a restaurant. And, you know, you've only got to, in a restaurant, you've only got to have about two hours worth of material mm -hmm. um, because, you know, they're cycling customers through. And uh, it was great. I fucking loved it. And I was made out like a bandit. I got great tips and stuff. Yeah. I just, I love playing. I do it for free. I fucking love it. I love controlling a crowd. Like when I played Mr. Brightside over at execs, like when I started that fucking bass drum at the beginning of the song, the girls just loved it. Or the women. I don't think there's any girls, <laughs> in execs, but they loved it. They, they it Oh like, yeah. It was like being at a concert. It was, it was fucking great. I love oh, controlling that's the crowd. Awesome. Let's get back to cars, man. Fucking okay. Cars. Yeah. Cars. So, so yes, you say you got, what is, what'd you say? So, 90, 91? No, no, fuck no. Uh, Mustang. So, I was a big Mustang dude. So I got a job after drumming. Um, my career in law picked up. So um, my uh, about 24, 25 years old, obviously there was some overlap where I was drumming and doing legal work. Sure. But I was a, uh, I was a landman. 
and um, that is somebody that goes into courthouses and runs title and gets a good understanding of you know what's going on and prepares reports for attorneys. Mm-hmm. So um, I ended up getting like the, high, the the highest qualification you could get in the industry without a law degree because uh, I couldn't be going to school for eight years. I don't have a fucking GED. <laughs> so I got the highest qualification I could get without a law degree. And I had this amazing fucking career in oil and gas law. And um, obviously that paid really, really well for a 26, 27-year-old kid. Uh, 27 was the first year I made over 100 grand. Um, and so at that time, we were dual income, no kids. And I did what I wanted. And in 2006, I bought an 03 Cobra, which at the time was the king of the fucking street. Until I met a guy with an 03 Cobra with an upper and lower pulley and a ported blower. <laughs> I was like, oh, what the fuck is this shit? Let me read about this. Because I'd been watching videos of twin turboed and supercharged Mustangs on YouTube yep. uh, from back in the day. There was this video, this one, you can probably still find it, called Snakebite, uh, the 03 Cobra with a Kenny Bell supercharger on it. I'm like, I'm having that. And then I saw one of a, a, a bullet, a 2001 bullet with twin turbos. Oh, wow. And I just kept yeah. turning it up on the speakers and playing that noise again. I'm like, one day, one fucking day, that's what I'm doing. So um, I spent a lot of money. I blew up a lot of motors, uh, transmissions, rear ends. Um, <laughs> every time I went to the fucking drag strip, it was another two grand. You're just like, God. Like, my fucking half shafts were $1,500 each. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> like, looking back on it now, how much money I could have made off of investments and shit. But, like, anyway, so... You could have bought some Apple stock or, you know... What? Fine. Yeah, no, I'm so just... I've, I've yeah. got, like, this fucking... Now it's got... Like, there's very few parts by Ford on it. Um, we got a, a tech side block out of a uh, Lincoln Mark 8. Um, we had it bored 20 over... Um, it's stroked to a five liter. It's full billet internals, ported heads. It had cams in it, but getting the tune dialed in with the turbos and the cams was just a pain in the dick. So we put the stock cams back in, but it's still, you know, ported heads, all the stainless valves, all that shit. Um, dropped a valve once like hearing a stainless steel valve hit a billet piston was, was <laughs> if, for any car guys listening that know that sound i feel your pain like i would rather get kicked in the dick than hear that fucking sound ever again <laughs> especially going down a down a fucking drag strip <laughs> that that so, sounds expensive that's what that's yeah. the way that's what i'm hearing in my head is like it was expensive yeah, yeah. i was the fucking king um, I, d- I don't know that I would be now if I put her back on the road. Um, I never ever tuned it for race gas. I set that motor up to go to 30 PSI and close to 1400 horsepower. The whole car is built to handle it. Holy shit. And, well, That's fucking awesome. Dude, it made 810 at fucking 18 PSI on pump gas. And that bitch, I can't get enough tire on it to keep it on the street. <laughs> um, you know, and like the one thing that said, Hey, you, you probably don't need to turn this up anymore was cause you know, superchargers, the power comes on like immediately. Right. So the first time I modded the car, obviously I upgraded the Eaton and then I moved from the Eaton to a Kenny Bell, uh, two, two. And then I put a Kenny Bell two, eight on there. And then I pulled the two, eight and I changed for the twin turbos and the power of turbos comes on so much differently than the power of a supercharger. Right. You make way more power at the top end. And, Dude, the first time the fucking back end let loose at the top of third gear, which was right 100 miles an hour, 
Um, that was enough to make me like nip a little piece out of the seat with my arsehole. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're not expecting the tires to break loose at 100 miles a fucking hour. When they happen at speed, it, it, it really scares the shit out of you. Dude, it scared the shit out of my passenger. I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> he, he talks about that for a long time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I figured, like, I never did bother tuning it for race gas. And, um, you know, then I got to the point where, you know, my, my business collapsed and I made all those mistakes. I lost a bunch of shit. And uh, I kept my car because it was paid off. Right. Um, but, you know, all that fucking to say that, man, I really want to get her back out of the box again. Um, and last time I drove her, she's got braided fuel lines, and one of them had rubbed a bit on the chassis. And yep. just, I didn't notice. and I could smell gas, and I just looked at it. I was just pissing gas out of this fuel line. i got to replace the whole line. and It's just been sitting, and, you know, poor car. But she, she does, um, I, I will quite happily here in the next few months um, drop a few grand back into her and get back on the road because, like, I drive a truck now. I drive a truck for work. Yeah, and I'm not a truck guy, dude. I'm not. I uh, just, I'm just not. I drive, you know, I've driven BMWs since about 2006. Um, I've had several M3s. Um, you know, just I, I grew up in England, man. I love a stick shift. I love a sports car. Yep. And um, I'm not a truck guy. And I keep going, man. I should just get one of those new Mustangs. I'm like, you seen those new Mark ones? Fuck, they're nice. Yeah, they're fucking beautiful. I'm like, dude, you're an idiot. <laughs> You've got a Cobra at the house. Go fix your shit. <laughs> so that's that's probably what I'm going to end up doing. I just, uh, I bought a go-kart recently that's in uh, need of a little repair. And um, it's for the kit. It's a big, like, gas-powered one. Yeah. And um, that is going to be, that's in the garage right now. It's on jack stands with the wheels off. And uh, I'm going to pull the motor. And then I'm going to have the boys, uh, we're going to sand down the frame and repaint it. That's super fucking simple, dude. It's, it's, oh, got, yeah. a, it's got a motor, a clutch, a tra- a, 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 and a chain drive. And that's it. Like, there's yeah, like, just so a cute. centrifugal clutch and just. Right. <clears throat> yeah. But what we're going to do is it's going to be a father-son project. I've got a 10-year-old and an 8-year-old in the garage. The first real time with them, anything jacked up in the air. Or, you know, we'll go over these basic principles like, you know, air. It needs air, fuel, and fire. All right, why is it not working? What, and we're just diagnosing a lawnmower engine. Exactly. But that's how I learned, you know, learned with lawnmowers with my dad. And, you know, I I was changing fucking cylinder heads on four cylinders in, God, I couldn't have been more than 12 or 13 years old and doing the timing belts and all that shit. You know, I, I, sorry, I um, forgot to, to mention that uh, we didn't have a, a shop uh, per se, my dad had a, a, a garage that he'd built mm-hmm. with uh, a pit to go down and get under the cars and do all that stuff. And uh, we, we were really, really tight growing up, really poor. Um, I did not know we were poor. Didn't. didn't. I just thought it was normal. Didn't know we were poor until I got to high school. <laughs> That's another story. Kids are mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. We, we'll do another podcast about that one. But, yes, I completely but, understand that. So my, my dad would buy wrecked cars from the salvage yard. And I don't know if you can still do this or not, but at the time, Ford would sell a body in whites. You could just go and buy a body in white, like, and that would be it. So what my dad would do would buy brand new body shells from Ford, and he'd buy wrecked parts from the auto salvage yard, uh-huh. wrecked, fully wrecked cars, and we'd disassemble them. And, you know, I, I think I did my first car when I was probably seven years old. And I had a little screwdriver and he'd like get me take the seats out and stuff. And you find all money under the seats. It was like winning, <laughs> you know? And um, so we ended up with just car parts 
after car parts, after car parts. And he would sell the parts that we didn't need. Because obviously, if, if you buy two benders, right, you get one that's wrecked in the front, one that's wrecked in the back, you can make right. a complete car. You're not reusing any of the body. The body's crushed, it's done, it's fucked. But all of the running gear, all of the bits and pieces, everything. There's always fucked. something there that's right. you're exactly. still not and, out there and using. Well, if you get one that's wrecked in the front, generally the back end's completely untouched. So everything from the firewall backwards is perfectly fine. And then you just find one that's been rear-ended and you break it too. And then you got a brand new motor, transmission, front end, everything. And so that's what we did. And he would, you know, we'd sell the excess parts and then we'd sell the cars. And, uh, you know, he had a little paint rig and we'd spray paint them. And like, my, I mean, my dad could, could paint. I, I never could get the hang of fucking spraying. I, oh, gosh, don't, don't, I see you laughing at me, but like, it's... dude, I can't, <laughs> the reason I'm laughing is I don't paint either. I, I've done so many projects and different things and, clients come in they're like i'm wanting this i want it painted or i want this or that i'm like okay here's the deal this is where we're gonna be this is what we're doing i can get you taken care of with the paint but i do i am not a fucking painter it ain't fucking happening i can get it ish you know i can sit down and have it ready for paint i am capable of getting there but beyond that i am not yeah that's right even like in my 20s my buddy used to have a, a hot rod shop and we'd go over there and hang out at night, and I'd help him on the weekends and stuff. And he set up panels for me to test and spray on. I just, I couldn't get, I'd always get it too thick, and then it would start to run, and I'm like, fuck, I just always, and then you, nah, never mind. Leave it <laughs> to the experts. There you go. We'll, we'll deal yeah. with that. But, dude. Yeah, I, there's some people that are better at certain things. I leave that to them. Dude, I love I my don't, car. Yeah. That shit, that car was an obsession for the longest time. And now I'm 41, I just don't fancy rolling around on the concrete to do it. So my excuse for not fixing my car is that I don't want to roll around on the concrete. And I'm like, I'm going to save up. I'll get a shop. I'll put a lift in it. And I just haven't bothered getting a shop. So I haven't bothered fixing my car. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe you just need to fix your car. <laughs> so, yeah. But fuck, I love that car. And the the sound the turbos make on a V8, when you, when you go in wide open throttle, it just sounds like an angry jet. I mean, it's... <laughs> one of the most intimidating sounds on the road. I remember <clears throat> I geared it. It's got three twenty threes in the back end. So yeah. it's geared for highway pulls now. Um, you know, I, I never did enjoy the drag strip so much because it always costs so much fucking money. Mm-hmm. So um, I geared it to be a highway monster. And like from a 60 roll, nothing could touch it. And the look on like a fucking biker's face when he's on his, and, and, you know, this is 10 years ago now. So right. The the 1,000cc bike's probably a little bit quicker now than they were then. But, like, when you've got a 1,000cc bike and he's wrapping it out and you're pulling on him and the look on your, his fucking face as you're passing him, like, that's priceless, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, that, that's why we do it. And then they change, the, they change the rules and they're like, you know, if we catch you street racing, we'll crush your car and all that shit. And I just, I wasn't interested in getting my car crushed. I'd got, I'd, pr- I'd probably got six figures in the fucking build. And I just, I just wasn't interested anymore. It, it really, it killed a lot. Of, like we had a car club and we'd go line up on the fucking highway. Like, yeah. like we'd line up who we'd, we'd figure out who was going to race in the parking lot. And then fucking 30 cars would go out on the highway. Uh, we get side by side and we'd slow down to 30 miles an hour. We'd literally stop traffic and cruise down the highway and then honk off races as we went. Yeah. Um, I had somebody, I ain't gonna lie. I was headed home. I was headed home and a uh, a truck and I think it was a Mustang actually stopped in the middle of the freaking highway right in what? front of me. I'm headed home with my wife and kids and they're like, 
One of them flew past me, swings over, slows down. The other one comes up, slows down, stops. And, of course, I'm getting pissed. You know, I'm heading home with wife, kids, and everything else. And I'm like, I'm sitting here, I'm like, okay, what are we doing here? Because the first thing going through my head is, okay, pistol's here. Pistol's ready to go, you know, and I'm sorry. I just got kicked off Apple right here. Second fucking podcast. But, (laughs) but no, I'm literally, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? I was like, okay, pull this way. I got to do this. I got to do this and whatever, you know? And I'm like, okay, fucking honk it. And they're just like fucking trying to haul ass. And I'm like, what the fuck? (laughs) <laughs> you know, pissed me the fuck off more than anything. And then I was, I was like, yeah, okay. I, I, as soon as it happened, I was like, click. Okay. I know what they're fucking doing. They're waiting for me. Uh, so now I know next time that happens, I'm just going to go around them and <laughs> stop and tell them to fuck off. But yeah, uh, I, I totally throw, get it. Throw up the three fingers, but let's go. Yeah. Let's roll. <laughs> I'm just going to pull around. Well, I mean, I'll lose, but I'm also <laughs> Gonna gonna go to the right and turn left. So fuck him, uh, man, dude. The the best one of the best street race experiences I ever had, and the statute of limita- limitations has passed. So uh, one of the best street race um, things I, I ever had happen. Um, we were on a three lane road, and there was a uh, there was a th- Nissan. Um, what are the three three fifty? The little okay, Nissan, the three fifty Z and uh, Subaru uh, STI. Impressive. Hey, yep. And I was like a car behind in my Cobra and they hadn't seen me and they were car cub guys and they took off on a street race from a red light and the road was empty. It was at night. I wasn't hurting anybody. It was a three lane fucking road. Sure. Sure. And, um, I kind of let them take off. I let them get into the race and then I just fucking flew past both of them. <laughs> like they, That's were, awesome. they were legitimately racing and, and yeah, they didn't even see this. Car. And I ain't gonna lie. The, uh, just off the, Anybody that's listening, the people never heard us or anything. It, it was more that I was traveling with the family, and, and they just stopped in the middle of the highway oh, yeah, in front of me, and I, I don't know what's going on. No, I'm we, like, we would even on the highways, dude. We'd, we'd slow it down to thirty, thirty-five. We never, we never stop on our highway. That's, that's, that's yeah, I thought, I thought that was a little dumb, but it was dumb. We were kids, dude. Well, and I, I, let's face it, I'm forty-three, and I'm still a fucking child and still do dumb shit. So that's that's where I got. That's my, fair. I got my adrenaline from that. I got my adrenaline rush from it. My kicks from it. I loved it. Um, and you know, as I, as I got older, I started to find adrenaline in other places. Um, I got really, 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 not many people know this. I don't fucking say it out loud. So I, I don't care for people to know it, but I got very deep into MMA. Like, yeah. Dude, fuck. There is no feeling like when that cage latches and you hear the latch go and it's you and the other guy and the coach that's reffing. Oh God. I, I fought for a lot of years. Um, See, I, I never knew that about you. I, I keep it pretty quiet because, like, you know, it's just, it's... I always do not to fuck with you. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's not that. It's like, you know, you know I'm, yeah. I'm a fucking lover, man. I, I like to spread joy and happiness. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, I'll wreck shop if you... If, you <laughs> if, if it needs to fucking happen. It's no, like, you, I tell you, know. you what, I've met a, a few MMA, I mean, not, like, big name MMA first, right. but a few guys, you know, and different things that were into that and, and do that and stuff. And even in the 12 old industry and stuff, they are the most awesome fucking guys. Most. Yeah. Dude, you know how many laid back people. Dude, I fought hundreds of times in the cage, sparring and fighting and all that shit. 
And I've never, ever, ever been in a fight in public. Never. It's like, no, the, fir the, the first thing you learn in self-defense class is how to eliminate the, the fucking Don't threat. fucking be there. Get the fuck out. Like, like self-defense is like a really big push in the chest and run away. Like, and if he's got a gun, run in zigzags. Like, that's it. <laughs> like, just yep. fucking run. And th th there was the thing. Let's get like, the fuck it, out of there. When I first started, like, I think I was about 28 when I first started. And, um, you know, I, I did. Like, because everybody, oh, you train UFC. I'm like, well, not really. Um, oh, can you teach me any moves? I'm like, no, like, just don't get in fights. Don't be there. Don't the fucking, don't put yourself <laughs> in situations. But the biggest gift I got from learning to fight was self-confidence. Um, I was bullied a lot in high school. I had a pretty miserable time. I, I think that's why I, I fell so heavily into music. Um, I would lie to my teachers and skip out of class, and uh, I'd go to the practice rooms, and I'd play, I'd just play fucking drums for, for, for hours. So I guess I, I, guess I did practice um, but, you know, I, I just I, I I found peace in my drumming, and the bullies mm -hmm. the bullies didn't come in the music rooms because that's where the nerds went. And I didn't have to deal with them, you know. Like you can only get your lunch stolen, and stomped on so many fucking times before you're like, you know, what? I'm just gonna go do something else. So, right. um, I had a very bad character flaw that came from being bullied, in that I didn't struggle to make eye contact during conversations. I couldn't make eye contact. I would get so uncomfortable. I'd always look at my feet when I talk to people right up to my late twenties. Um, yeah. It wasn't until I learned to fight that I got the confidence to be able to hold my head up and look people in the eye and have a conversation. And one of the gifts that learning to fight has given me is now, if there's ever any kind of trouble anywhere, you can tell immediately if a guy's a threat or not, just by the way he stands, just by the way he carries himself. And um, still, I've never been in a fight because you can see it and you're like, you know what? It's time we left, man. Yeah, we don't got it. This ain't worth the trouble. Yeah, probably as hard as I punch, I'd, I'd, I'd break my hand. I mean, I've done it before. Yeah. Like I did that with wraps and a glove. I'm showing him a, a very bent knuckle that you can't see, but I broke. Yeah, sorry, we're not on video this time, but yeah. That that was that was with wraps and a glove, a glove on. I still yeah, broke holy my shit. Hand. So uh, a boxer's fracture is incredibly common after a bar fight because when, when you're fighting, you are taped um, from your knuckles around your fingers and all the way down your wrist to the middle of your forearm. And it, we use wraps, and those wraps solidify the wrist joint, and it means the wrist can't bend and the fingers don't, like, I mean, they, they open a little bit because you've got the, the four-ounce gloves on, but every you can open, you've got like claw hands, you can't open them all the way and stuff, so your hands are really well protected when you fight. And, you know, why the fuck am I going to go out of my way to damage either of my most valuable, you know, money-making tools exactly. by trying to punch somebody in, you know, in, in essentially, if you punch somebody in the face, you're aiming at a, a two rows of razors that are designed to cut meat, you know? And a, and a head of skin and bone. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so, no, just uh, just run away, just don't fight. <laughs> Back to the confidence thing. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I ain't going to lie. I'm going to give him just a second to talk about confidence. And let's face it, we've been going here for a minute or two. I'm going to grab another beer. Get it, man. What do you want to know about confidence? What? Shit. You're talking about uh, confidence and, you know, with the fighting and some of that, but also bringing that into business and into well, just just everything. What 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 has that taught you, and where where's a good place to a start from and b work into? Fuck, man. 
I know, I know. We've been going a long time, and I don't want to go too deep. But uh, you got you got two little people that live inside of you, right? <laughs> Serious. Like you've got a confident voice, and you've got a paranoia voice. Um, in in business circles, especially through a lot of the people that we listen to, often it's referred to as the boss voice and the bitch voice. Um, I like to keep it like as confidence and paranoia because it, it, it just means uh, a little bit more to me um, to, to, to handle it like that. So you're going to have a confident voice telling you can do shit and you're going to have a paranoid voice telling you you can't do shit. And really your job is to listen to the confident voice and listen to it enough to where you allow that confident voice to convince yourself that you can do this shit. Um, I get a lot of confidence in what I do by doing what I call a pre-mortem. So when somebody dies, uh, they'll do a post-mortem. You know, they'll cut them open, they'll tear them apart. They say, well, what fucked up? What made them die? Well, if you take that same thing and apply it to any scenario beforehand, a pre-mortem, what could fuck up? What could make this thing die? What could go wrong? And so confidence comes from having an understanding of all these variables that could happen and being okay with dealing with them and how you're going to deal with them, having a plan. Um, Confidence in, in me personally has come from learning and making myself valuable and understanding um, as much about any given subject as possible. So I'm not going to go into a discussion about the intricacies of golf because I don't know shit about golf. <laughs> like, yep. And people tell me like, oh, you're so fucking smart. You're so clever. I'm like, it's because you only hear me talk about things that I've studied. Like, I'm not smart. I'm really smart at this bit, but like, I've not studied women's tennis. I don't know shit about it. I don't know about golf. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know how to yeah. crochet. Like, you know, fuck. so like confidence for me comes from having a like complete understanding of the subject matter of the field that I'm operating in because, and it also comes from having humility and being humble enough to go, you know what? Shut the fuck up and listen and knowing that that's okay. You know, I don't have to be in charge of anything. If there's a stronger person in the room and we're trying to achieve something as a team, by all means, take the lead. You know, I'm confident enough to learn from you. Um, but I don't, I, I don't know how to tell people just to just be confident. <laughs> no, no. I, I, what's the worst that can happen? That's, yeah, what's the exactly what you're saying right there is exactly, I think, what needs to be said. You know, you, you may not always be, um, like you were saying, you're not the expert at this, but you're the expert at this or, you know, right there, you may not be the expert at this depending on who's in the room and, right. you know, what's going on. Right. But, but but don't be afraid to put it out there, but also know when to shut the fuck up. Right. <laughs> you know, to put it in, in Brandon terms. Because, you know, um, I don't know. It's, it, 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 this is one thing I struggle with and this is why I'm asking so much. But yeah, I mean, there's a lo whole lot of, all right, here's how you can be confident, right? You tell me you're an imposter, you say I got imposter syndrome, you're worried about starting a podcast, all this shit. Sure. I'm going to tell you how to be confident, right? Who are you afraid of? Whose criticism are you afraid of? At this point where I'm working through this, I'm good. I am literally good. If somebody doesn't like where I'm at and what I'm doing, I'm fine with it. So why do you not feel confident? I, I wasn't happy with that before. So, I was not, I have so many people in this industry and literally I, this, this could be another hour long conversation. 
But there's so many people in this industry and what I do that I admire that do so much badass stuff. And also, and then when I get into Apex and I see all these guys doing badass oh, stuff, yeah. you know, it's, and all that. But uh, I've also realized that there's also a lot of people behind me that I can uh -huh. help. Yep. And so now I, I'm finally, it's finally clicking my little Midwestern brain that, <laughs> you know what? I may not be the biggest badass at this or this or this, but I can still help some people yeah. and help bring them along with me as I learn and be, and strive to be what they're fucking doing, like, man, which is so fucking cool to me. How many magazines you been in? Um, I don't know. Several. Right. I, I've written for several. How, I've, many, how uh, many, how many shops you own? Uh, a couple. Ballpark. Don't get two. Too, no ballpark. Don't get too personal. I own two shops. No, no, no. For the next question. Ballpark list. Don't get too. Oh, personal. sorry. Sorry. Well, okay. Yeah. You know, six figure, seven figure revenue. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, mid to high six figures right. currently. That, that's enough, right? Yep. So then you turn around and you say, you know what? I am enough. Look at this shit. Look at what I built. Where's your two shops? Where's your fucking magazine articles? Where's your company that you're scaling to seven figures? Sit back down. You have no right to make me not feel confident. Like, when I started approaching it like that, and you've realized that the reason you feel uncomfortable in the room that you're in is because you put yourself there deliberately to get outside of your comfort zone to move forward and level up with your business. The reason you feel uncomfortable is because you are surrounded by motherfuckers that are in the best shape of their lives. They make more money than they've ever made before. They've got the most investments, the most capital, the most... You don't get it, man. Like, you're not surrounding yourself with normal people. You are comparing your benchmark for do I belong here to some of the baddest motherfuckers in the country some of the baddest motherfuckers at business, some of these entrepreneurs that can create million-dollar companies just at will. Yeah. You're comparing yourself to guys that have so much experience. They don't even fucking let members of the public anywhere close to them, and yet you're getting to sit in the same room as them. Like, what did it take to get in that room? Even though you're on the bottom rung, you still got in the fucking room. Right? You're in this tiny fraction of a tiny percent of business owners and entrepreneurs that are doing amazing fucking things every single day. You're in that room. The problem with your confidence is you're judging yourself against everybody in that room instead of judging yourself against everybody. You judge yourself against everybody, like, shit, I'm a pretty bad motherfucker because I don't know in my circle from high school, anybody that runs a business or anybody that's been in multiple magazines or anybody that operates two shops at the same time. I am a bad motherfucker. You're just judging yourself against the fucking baddest of the bad. That's what your confidence is, mate. How fucking cool is that right there? <laughs> I don't know how long we've been going. I ain't gonna lie. This has been uh, a minute or two. I don't know, I'm, but I'm just, I'm just we're going to sit here and have another beer, but I'm going to cut this, uh, this one off right there. Cause that is a perfect place to fucking let this yeah, one go. Right on. And this is my man, Samuel Smith from 
Texas with the British accent. I, yeah, 20, 21 years now in Central Texas. Like, <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Like, <laughs> I didn't. I came out here on tour. Um, I had a bag of clothes and a bag of cymbals. Um, the record company got me a drum set, and I thought it was going to be about nine months. And uh, 21 years later... And two kids. <laughs> Here we are. So yeah, it's uh, dude. It's been an absolute pleasure uh, coming on your show. I'm I'm so happy that you you're finally taking the leap and doing this because what this podcast is going to do now it's uh, you know for about six months you're going to feel like you're just shouting into this foggy canyon, right? And then all of a sudden you'll start to get a little bit of feedback, and then it will start to it'll start to catch, it'll start to grow, and you will become the authority in your space from the value that you're given through your podcast, man. So you, you're on. You're on the right fucking track, dude. Well, I appreciate that, man. My goal here is literally to help some people out. Hopefully, I, I, I know I got several people in my head and on the at least the 12-volt side of, you know, car audio and what I do that when I was coming into this and, you know, all this, like we said before, you know, a lot of shit I didn't know and I'm just now figuring the fuck out. Well, maybe we can help them get that done quicker and they can grow better and grow faster and, you know, you, we can help them out. So you're saying, I, you're saying the right things, man. Um, you know, I want to leave you on this and then I'll tell you where to find me on social media. I was going to say, I was getting ready to ask, but yeah, I want to, I want to leave you on this. Um, you know, money, money isn't the mission. Mm -mm. Money, isn't, money isn't the goal here. When you get to the level that you're at, the level you're wanting to get to, impact becomes the mission and money becomes the abundant byproduct of the mission. The more impact that you can have, the more byproduct you create. And as long as you focus on impact and how you can help the people around you and how you can leave shit better than you found it, the money will come. I can't say it any better, and that's that's it. That's it, right? That, All right, that's well. it. All right, hey, <laughs> let me tell yeah. them where to find me. Yes, uh, uh, first we, off, we need to know where off, where can me, they find Mister Seamus Smith? Do me a favor for my friend, fucking Brandon, on podcast number two or whatever this one is. Man, please help him out. Let's uh, the the way to get podcast ranked as quickly as possible is for in the first thirty days to get as many reviews as possible up on iTunes. So if you could do me a favor and Brandon a favor, run on over to the iTunes link, leave him a review, let him know what you thought, and uh, share the show out. You know, let him uh, let him get a little bit of traction. And uh, if we all pull together, because I'm going to go leave a review when he publishes this, uh, if we all pull together, we can probably get him a uh, a top ranked podcast uh, in the next thirty to sixty days that will really help his numbers and really help pushing. So go leave him a review, please. And if you are feeling generous and want to learn a little bit more about me, you can follow me on Instagram at Small Business Surgeon. I'm on facebook.com slash Samuel.smith. I was there. <laughs> I was there sitting ready to press enter in 2008 when they allowed custom URLs, <laughs> custom names. I got my name. And, um, yeah, you can find the podcast on uh, Spotify, iTunes, and all the regular places for podcasts. It's just the small business surgeon. Brandon, it's been an absolute fucking blast hanging out, mate. It's been a pleasure, man. I'm so, so proud of you for everything you've done. And, and if you haven't seen his shop, if you haven't seen what these guys do over here at the, uh, the car audio shop, you, really got to come check it out so uh, thanks for having me man it's been a blast brother i appreciate you so much thank you for uh putting a little faith in me and be uh, being one of the first guys to jump on and do this with me and yeah we're gonna we're gonna keep kicking some ass and hey do what we do when's the next episode drop 
in next week. Perfect. You'll tune in next week. Leave this man, leave this man a review. All right. Thanks, brother. Thank you for tuning into the Business Cars and Cigars podcast. Make sure to share this with someone you know that can benefit from this content. Remember to support this show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing.